You are listening to the Stand with Dignity podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Muhammad Abdul Aleem. On behalf of the World Council of Muslims for Interfaith Relations, Stand with Dignity and Islamic City, I welcome all of you to this first episode of Muharram, a time of sacrifice and personal reformation. Uh, this will be a 10-part uh, series where we will be covering various uh, topics uh, which I will go over uh, with, uh, with all of you. Um, we are all involved in various interfaith activities, but uh, we feel that there is not enough emphasis on interfaith activities. And really, we cannot do justice to interfaith unless we have a very sincere effort in making sure that we have intra-faith also, in making sure we are working together on, uh, on issues uh, that matter to all of us. We hope that this series uh, will be a template for intra-faith work on issues we face as one humanity. Uh, we are honored uh, to have uh, with us two esteemed hosts who have dedicated their lives uh, to promoting a better understanding of Islam. Uh, uh, they will be uh, hosting these 10 sessions uh, that we'll be going through with various guests that we will have for different topics. Uh, and uh, with that, we have Dr. Hasnain Walji. Uh, he comes from the Shia tradition. Uh, he is an educator, humanitarian, filmmaker, author who has spent over 20 books on nutrition and, and natural medicine. And along with him, uh, we have Dr. Aslam Abdullah, uh, uh, who comes from the Sunni tradition. He has a doctorate in communications from the University of London uh, in England, and he is a resident scholar here at Islamicity. Uh, I will hand this over to them, and they will uh, be uh, uh, conducting this series uh, from here on, and we hope to be learning from both of our uh, scholars here and the guests that will be coming. So with that, welcome to all of you. Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Hasan Walji and Dr. Asim Abdullah. Dr. Aslam, I think you're muted. Thank you very much, Brother Abdul Ali. Thank you, Islamic City. Thank you, WCMIR. And thank you, Stan, with dignity for coming together to host this important uh, event that would last for the next 10 days. Muharram is a month of great significance, not only for Muslims, but for the entire humanity and the world, if we look at it from that perspective. Because it is a month when one of us wrote a new chapter in the history of humanity. And this chapter was not written with the ink, it was written with the plot. It was a chapter that changed the paradigm of uh, the, the human relationship. And it was a chapter that added a new dimension 
to the word sacrifice and the concept of sacrifice that has always been there in our world. And certainly, Dr. Balji will talk more about that uh, uh, chapter. But needless to say that the sacrifice has been an essential component of human sociology and psychology. If you reflect deeply, you would find that each of one of us is the product of sacrifice. We would not have been in this world without the sacrifice of our parents, specifically our mother, to whom we owe our existence. It is she who gave the utmost sacrifice in terms of carrying us in her room and then making sure that we survive, making sure that we nurture, making sure that we grow up, and making sure that we learn the basics of humanity from her. At all, at her own life, at the risk of her own personality, at the risk of her own identity. But when we look at the sacrifice, we see that almost in every aspect of life, whether it is a family or it is community, it is society, it is the country, it is the ethnicity, the concept of sacrifice is always at play. Even in our own personal life, we sacrifice in order to attain a better personality, in order to attain a better identity. But when we look at the definition of sacrifice, we see a very interesting definition coming from those who have tried to elaborate this one. They usually associate sacrifice with offerings to God, whether it is the, the, the offering of humans or offering of uh, positions. And you would be surprised if you know that uh, for the last 5,000 years, humans have been sacrificing fellow humans in order to please God or in order to earn better status in the eyes of God. There were at least 25 cultures in the world. Mayong in China and the Maya in the, the Native America and then in, in, in Tibet, in India and in Mesopotamia and other places. Even in the biblical uh, writings, you would find the reference to human sacrifice that were offered to God. Yes, it was uh, uh, declared unconstitutional and unlawful uh, in uh, only in the last century. Even then, uh, the, the, the human sacrifice practice did not stop because we see that as recent as 2020, there were at least five recorded human sacrifices in different parts of the world. As late as 1987, we find the, that in India, the women were 
forced to throw themselves on the pyres of their husbands as part of uh, the, the, the sacrifice that uh, their traditions asked them to do. But now it is considered murder. So that concept of sacrifice has been there. And people have been offering their sacrifices for the causes they believe in. Most of these causes are related to their own ethnicity, their own culture, their own nationality, their own uh, uh, what you call identities. It doesn't matter whether those who were sacrificing were Muslims or non-Muslims or those who basically were the one who caused these sacrifices were Muslims and non-Muslims. The fact is that every group believe in offering one's own life or one's own positions for the sake of one's identity and one's ethnicity. And it is in this particular context we see that uh, the, the new chapter that was written in this month of Muharram, some 1400 years ago, was a new idea, a new concept. A concept that uh, revolves around the fundamental ideas that the life is important and sacred. But there come moment in one's life when one's life is not or does not get precedence over one's own goals and one's own principles. In other words, life is important, but the goal of life become more important than one's life in certain moment of history. And that is what we are talking about, the new chapter that was written in Haramar. Dr. Walsh talked about it. So we look at that perspective not only from the perspective of Islam or from the perspective of Muslims or from the perspective of the Shias or the Sunnis, but we look at it from the perspective of a new dimension in human epistemology, a human uh, endeavor to stand for certain principles that are everlasting and that would be everlasting and that would not only benefit one group and one set of people, one ethnicity, one community, but the entire humanity as a whole. It is a different thing that we basically have confined it to a particular sect or a particular religious group or a particular community, but the reality is that that sacrifice encompasses the humanity and constantly gives inspiration to the people that, the, yes, the life is sacred and important, but there comes moment in the life of once when the principles and the goals of life become more important. It is in that particular context that we start this month of Mahar. We, we realize that this is also the month which which the Muslims begin their calendar, Hijra. And Hijra is also a kind of sacrifice. Hijra also is a movement for reformation. Israel is also a movement for sacrifice. But the sacrifice that was offered by none other than the grandson of the Prophet is perhaps the most uh, unique 
and most remarkable event in human history. And sooner or later, the world would realize the importance of that as we are becoming a global community, as we are beginning to basically challenge the old uh, definitions of the word sacrifice and then include in that definition a new idiom that uh, the, the a conscious decision can be taken by individuals to stand for the principles regardless of the consequences and regardless of the outcome of that struggle. So we hope that uh, the series that we have would highlight the essence of that sacrifice because we believe that the sacrifice is the essence of life but we have to be very clear as to what we mean by sacrifice and how we proceed in on the uh, footprints of those who have basically embarked on that path. With that, I hand over the, the, the mic to Dr. Valji to uh, carry the discussion at a further level, and then we will, inshallah, have a discussion around these ideas that we are discussing. Thank you uh, very much, Dr. Astom, and thank you, Islamic City, and Stand with Dignity and the World Council for making this opportunity for us to come together and discuss this very important subject. A'udhu billahi minash rajim bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen Sayyidina wa Nabiyina Abul Qasim Muhammad. As we were getting ready to uh, begin this session, somebody forwards me this message from the White House. And I thought it's worth sharing uh, as we begin this. Uh, this is a message of President Biden. He says, Jill and I extend our warm wishes to all those observing the Islamic New Year, and remembering the historical sacrifices during the holy month of Muharram. We join you in honoring the universal values of justice, equality, and compassion. The reason I thought I would share this with you is not only that it's, it's remarkable and perhaps first time in the history of the United States that a message of this nature has come from the White House, and we welcome it. At the same time, I think it shows the understanding, the empathy, and the sensitivity of the leadership of this country because President Biden used the word observe and not celebrate the New Year. And I think that speaks volume for the significance of the event that we have gathered together to commemorate and to remember. So with that said, thank you, Dr. Aslam, for really delving into the subject which has made my task uh, much easier. And if I were to sum up the entire ethos and the essence of sacrifice, it would be summed up. This blessed verse of the Quran, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِكُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ 
that never shall you achieve righteousness unless you give something out of that which you love. And Muharram, as it begins in the 10th of Muharram, is as Dr. Astam uh, mentioned, is indeed a paradigm shift in the understanding of the very word sacrifice. And hence, when we were discussing this series, we said, let us set the groundwork and the basic understanding of the very word sacrifice. What does this word mean? You know, it's a heavy word. It's a lofty word. It's an easy word to pronounce. It's a very difficult word to implement. In the wider sense, to add to what Dr. Astrom has said rightly, sacrifice means giving up things which are valued or desired. Now, those things may be tangible, countable, like time, wealth, or, or it could be life, or intangible and immeasurable, like one's feelings, one's attitudes, one's opinions, one's aspirations, and even the ultimate one's ego, the I, that needs to be sacrificed in order to achieve a loftier goal. All these are given up for the sake of something that is more worthy or more important is rightly hinted by Dr. Aston. So that reminds me of a quote from Jim Elliott, a missionary, and he said, and I quote, that he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I repeat, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Worth pondering about, because this is the mentality and, and the psyche of somebody who is willing to sacrifice, because they realize the importance. It is also important to bear in mind that though as again Dr. Astro mentioned, that the very word sacrifice conjures up or is a connotation which is limited to the slaughter of animals as offerings to God and hence surrender to God of some possession. But that obviously is an incomplete or perhaps a misunderstanding. It may be difficult to find in the, within the Quranic vocabulary, and you know, we have scholars um, of the Quran and Dr. Astam, who, you know, may be able to uh, shed more light on this. But it's difficult to find the Quranic vocabulary in exactly having an equivalent word for sacrifice, which also has a wide literary usage. Perhaps nearest in the meaning in the Holy Quran is Nusuk, when we say, Kul inna salata wa nusuki wa mahiyaya wa mati lillahi rabbil alameen, that say that my prayer, my nusuk, my sacrifice, for my giving, my living and dying all belong to Allah, the Lord of the all worlds. Surah Al-Aram, Ayat number 162. So the deeper essence is that along with Salat, giving suffices to support, encompass and symbolize a life that is based on a premise that something that is given away includes everything that a person has whether it be something tangible or intangible. And this value of sacrifice, like the it was mentioned in terms of the sacrifice of the parents and the mother, for example, that without sacrifice, 
life would be devoid of peace, harmony, cooperation. It would be full of conflict and discord, a prey to self-centeredness and the immediate gratification of desires. You know, in a society where you have more takers, there are more people who want to take something and less people want to give, there is strife in that society. In a society where there are more people who are willing to give and less people who are willing to take, that's a society which is a peaceful society. Therefore, neither families nor communities can exist or achieve cohesiveness and strength without some sacrifice on the part of each other and the members of that society. And that no human endeavor can succeed in reaching its goal unless one sacrifices things valued or desired. And one of the most effective paths of sacrifice is when that path is taken personally to reach spiritual and moral heights. And I do not need to explain to this learned audience that we have in terms of the personal sacrifices uh, of spiritual and moral heights that, that we need to attain and the ibadat that we do, the good deeds that we do on a personal level are all part and parcel of that. But at the same time, to strive for justice and peace in a society is that we need also to make those sacrifices at a societal level. And it really becomes so very effective that when these two paths come together, the personal path and the societal path, then there is true peace and harmony. Allow me to elaborate. That firstly, on a personal basis, the sense of sacrifice strengthens our inner spiritual and moral resources, and they develop those qualities of character which are essential to our struggle at every level. Secondly, it develops and reinforces cohesion and discipline, giving the strength and resources to make up for a better society at a wider universal level. And that truly is the underlying message of sacrifice which is epitomized during the whole um, tragedy of Karbala as we know it. Every act of sacrifice nourishes and increases one's iman for it transforms a verbal confession and a mental conviction into a living reality. As I would say that now is a time that you just don't talk the talk but you actually walk the talk. The process is mutually interactive. The stronger the faith, the greater the capacity to sacrifice. The greater the sacrifice, the deeper the faith, and collectively, the greater the impact on a society. And therefore, the idea of sacrifice and change in society go hand in hand. Without that, it would be difficult. And the next subject that we are going to have, inshallah, tomorrow is actually going to be on reform and on change and we'll elaborate. But in the final analysis, every sacrifice is a sacrifice of our love or value. When we give away money, life, familial tie, for the sake of Allah, for the sake of a bigger cause, what we in reality give up and make that sacrifice is our love for money, for life or a relative, not the object itself. So, 
quickly to conclude that some areas of daily sacrifices are time. It's our most precious commodity. And spending our time to seek the pleasure of Allah is one thing. But just to seek the pleasure of earning money and worldly possessions is truly to shortchange ourselves. And time is indeed the first thing that Allah demands of us. If we reflect more deeply, we know that the time is one thing we cannot hold onto even for a moment. A second pass is a second gone. Time will melt away and what one earns will indeed stay forever and for eternity. And then the next one, that when we, when we look at time, beyond time, is really the value of life. That a time may come when you'll be required to sacrifice. You know, your life for the sake of Allah. To so lay down your life is the highest act of doing that sacrifice, as it is called, you know, of doing that shahada, and one deserves to be called a shaheed. Because life is one's most precious possession. You can only have the courage to die in the way of Allah as soon as you realize that life does not belong to you, but to Him, and you must render to Him what is His due. We must also remember that death, with death you can never escape or avoid, that it will always come to you at the appointed hour and place and in the appointed bed. I will stop here, inshallah, we will continue with the essence of that particular uh, narrative of what happened in Karbala and how does it impact the level of sacrifice. So with that, I will hand this back to Dr. Ashram to continue. Dr. Mazi, you rightly pointed out that the, the word uh, sacrifice does not uh, fully elaborate the Quranic perspective on that concept and that idea. It is primarily a Latin word, and it means uh, priestly performing or performance for giving to God. So it is mainly, you know, a, a, a concept that emerged in the seminaries of uh, the, the the church uh, within the context of Christianity. Uh, but and 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 the Muslims sometimes use the word qurbani. Uh, in Arabic, they use this word, even though it was uh, uh, a Hebrew word, korban, and. Uh, you know, many uh, of the cultures that were influenced by Hebrew adopted that. Uh, and, and in Arabic, it, it probably, you know, would mean that getting closer to God Almighty. But the Quranic concept is, uh, is, is much bigger than that. And that is that the, the essence of life is built on this concept of uh, uh, you know, giving your own uh, priorities, giving your own uh, interests for the sake of larger interest, and the larger interests are not just your community or your ethnicity or your culture or your race, but the humanity as a whole. And that is the concept that emerged. That's why when the Quran says, وَمَا لَكُمْ لَا تُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَالْمُسْتَدَفِينَ مِنَ الرِّجَالِ وَالْنِسَاءِ وَالْوِلْدَانِ الذين يقولون ربنا أخرجنا من هذه القرية الظالم أهلها 
And how come you do not struggle, you do not fight for the cause of those people who have been oppressed, those people who have been denied their rights, those men, those women who have been living under the torture and the tyranny of people and who basically have been saying loudly or silently that God Almighty sent someone who could take us out of that kind of situation. So the Quran is basically uh, giving a, 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 a different dimension and different uh, perspective to that whole concept of living for others. And it is, it is basically extolling the idea that living for others and uh, you know, ensuring that the interests of all human beings are secured is a larger uh, principle and a larger goal that one must achieve and must must work for that because that is the true uh, message and the true guidance that comes from God that in order to attain the closeness to God, in order to attain, you know, uh, his uh, uh, favors, one has to be willing to work for the rest of humanity. And that is a, a, a paradigm shift in, 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 the, in the Quranic concept. And that was something that was lived and that something that was shown to the people that it is possible that the Quran is not merely words, but it is also a practice uh, that uh, has been proven by the acts of those who understood that message uh, very clearly and very definitely. So thank you, Dr. Aslam. That brings me on to this point, and, and this is something worth discussing with your erudition. The whole concept of the greater good within the context of the Quranic worldview, that it is not just for one's tribe, it is not just for one's ethnicity, That's, that you, you sacrifice or that you are here to serve humanity as part of that, you know, hukukul ibad that we talk about. So help us understand a little bit more in terms of the concept of the greater God, which is a natural phenomena that instinctively, you know, lives within every creature, even animals. In fact, I mean, we, we, we go back again to the Quran, uh, which, 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 which says very clearly, كَانَ النَّاسُ أُمَّةً وَاحِدًا فَبَعَثَ اللَّهُ النَّبِيِّينَ وَمُوَشِّينَ وَمُنْزِرِينَ وَأَنزَلَ مَعَهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَلِهِمَ لِيَحْكُمُ بَيْنِ النَّاسِ فِي مَخْتَلَّهُ فِي That human beings have been differing and have their own concept, their own interests, their own ethnic, cultural, geographical interests. But humanity is one. And the message of all the messengers has been to unite that humanity. And how can we unite the humanity if we do not identify with the common good of all? And what is the common good for all? The common good for all is that the societies and the hu human beings live free from injustices and free from oppression, that they have, they are given the full opportunities to exercise their personality the way God created them in the best possible manner. And that would happen when the tyranny is taken care of. That would happen when we all uh, embrace each other. And, 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 and the, that is what the common good is, 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 is being described, that the interests of humanity are one. You cannot say that the interests of Americans or the interests of uh, Indians or the Pakistanis or the Somalians are different than the rest of the humanity. Culturally and geographically, you can make that kind of argument, you know, uh, that we have a better 
bigger stake on this particular land or that particular uh, resources that God has created. But God is giving us a different perspective altogether that our fates are tied with each other. Indeed, indeed. And if one is one is suffering, the entire humanity is suffering. Absolutely, absolutely. And and and, and the biggest suffering comes when the justice is denied, because injustices basically dehumanizes. Injustice basically says that you are not worth living. Injustice says that you are not equal in the eyes of God. We are the one who would decide and determine how you should live and how you should behave and how, you know, you should be subservient to others. Uh, and, and, and that is uh, what the common good and common interest is. Uh, that, uh, and, it, it, uh, and that's what, uh, you know, brings the universality of Islam. Uh, Islam uh, claims itself to be universal in that particular context that uh, uh, one has to look for the common good of all. And as the Quran says uh, very clearly that whatever is not relevant and useful for humanity will not stay. Very clearly Quran is making that kind of thing that if you have to follow the divine guidance then you have to identify with common good of all. Without that common good your claim for a universal Islam and for your claim for a universal divine guidance makes no sense because then we would become like any other sect, we would become like any other group, any other faction who are basically concerned only of our interests and only of our own uh, you know, identity. While the Quran is saying that the your real identity is to find the common good for all human beings and strive for those common goods. And when it comes uh, you know, the occasion where you have to sacrifice your life also for that common good of humanity, don't be hesitant. Don't take the life of others, but be willing to offer yourself. And that is, I think, one of the noblest concepts that you would see, and that's why it was a paradigm shift uh, in, in that context. Indeed. And if the world had forgotten the, that interconnectedness that you talked about, the universal interconnectedness, then I think COVID has come to remind us. Indeed, you are absolutely right. In terms of how, you know, uh, we are impacted. And the same thing with justice, as has been said, that, you know, injustice anywhere is, is injustice everywhere. I, I think I believe Martin Luther King said that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at the Second World War. 53 million people were killed all over the world. Look in the wars that have taken place in the last 30 years, you would find at least 15 million people have been killed. For what? Indeed. I mean, why, why life has become so cheap in that sense? It has become so cheap because that common good is not the common sense for human beings anymore, at least for those who, who are the power elites or who control power. And it is in that particular context, uh, I think uh, Maharam has a special significance, even though we somehow have neglected its universal message. We have confined itself either to the Muslim community or to a particular faction of the Muslim community. But it is a universal paradigm that one has to look at it from that perspective. Indeed. And it is really a continuation of the examples 
of, you know, heroic sacrifices and martyrdom, which abounds in both ancient and contemporary society. In the ancient times, as we know, the torture and death in the affirmation of a noble ideal earned, you know, many of them what we call the honor of martyrs. They were killed for their ideas. And their example and the ideal of that total indifference to passions and worldly life provided a model for humanity in all eras. There have been those martyrs. In fact, the very term martyr is used in the New Testament, as you alluded to, actually also means a witness. And so it does a shahid uh, in, within the Islamic uh, culture uh, as to the transplantation of those terms. That a martyr or somebody who has sacrificed his life or her life is a witness, not just to an idea, but to an event. For example, you know, in terms of the Christianity, they were, you know, uh, witness to an event which was a faith in the crucifixion of Christ, for example. In Christianity, as we know, that, you know, martyrdom was another struggle before Christendom became the world power uh, under, say, Constantine. Or in Islam, the jihad or the struggle. And again, the word jihad needs to be kind of elaborated, and I hope you will do that. That the struggle for martyrs was instituted after Islam became a religious, social, and a political order. So there are the, these yeah. connotations where we need to understand where, where there is Judaism, you know, the whole idea of martyrdom within Judaism um, are, are also. So each faith has got, you know, its own uh, uh, set of martyrs in the history of humanity. You see, what basically makes the, 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 the Muharram and the, and the events in Karbala different from the rest of the things uh, uh, is worth noticing. While in the ancient cultures and even in, in you know, in not uh, uh, that, uh, that far past cultures, we see that the communities are, uh, rise for their rights. They basically focus more on their ethnic, cultural, or even religious rights and all those things. But here we find uh, that uh, certain principles that are common and that uh, work for the common good of humanity were being stressed and emphasized upon. Here we find that, uh, you know, in a culture of power leads that has given that kind of idea that the rulers are Zillelahi or the shadows of God and who, who are basically the... the, the the wise chariot of God on earth in terms of the power structure is concerned, were being challenged by, you know, someone who, who uh, was trained by none other than the prophet himself and who, uh, you know, took it upon himself to make that statement with his blood and with his family's blood. That yes, uh, you know, the life is sacred and one must respect that life. But then, when it comes to the common good of all, then the life is worth sacrificing. And I think this is a bold and conscious decision. That word has not yet grasped its uh, totality. Uh, because it's, it's, it's beyond, uh, you know, a, a ordinary human imagination. That uh, can we 
stand up for the entire humanity, even for those people who are not part of our generations, even for those who are not part of our culture, even for those who are not part of our ethnicities. Can we stand for all, all of them? This is, you know, uh, this may sound a modern idea, but in fact, it is as uh, ancient as the uh, as the events at Kerala. Yeah, and indeed, it is it is it is uh, you know timely and right that as we begin this series in the remembrance of this great sacrifice of Imam Hussein, the grandson of the Prophet, uh, the special status. Uh, in Muslim history, as you say, has largely been due to his sacrifice and, and the examples of, you know, his courage, sincerity, steadfastness, dignity, and his struggle. Uh, and you rightly say that sometimes it's been confined by us, you know, within the four walls of where we commemorate this tragedy, rather than it being, you know, a social justice movement or something that inspires a social justice movement. Because his struggle and the eventual martyrdom became a source of strength and endurance for the oppressed, wherever they were, in terms of suffering, you know, persecution. And many have been inspired, you know, within that. Um, in fact, uh, you know, it's uh, been said by numerous authors to say, for example, Antoine Barra says that no battle in the modern and past history of mankind has earned more sympathy and admiration as well as provided more lessons than the martyrdom of Hussein at the Battle of Karbala. So you're absolutely right when you say that this needs to be uh, internationalized, it needs to be globalized, because sometimes we need to sit back, take a moment to reflect on that monumental moment where over, you know, almost 1400 years ago, when this man stands on a sand dune in Karbala in Iraq, blood was flowing from, you know, from his body, from the wounds that he had suffered, having lost every every one of his family, including his infant child. And then he turns in four different directions, it is said. And he said, you know, is there anyone who will respond to our call for help? Who was he calling out? And I believe that it is a call for generations of all ages to respond Indeed. to that call. Yeah. I mean, if you look at our current history, we find at least five or six uh, uh, movements where people have uh, sacrificed immensely, like Gandhi's movement in India or Martin Luther King's movement in the United States for the rights of primarily blacks uh, and for their dignity and all those things, or Che Guevara's movement uh, or uh, Ho Chi Minh's movement and all those, or, you know, uh, or even in the context, of, even though he's, you know, people call him communist, the Mao Zedong's movement for the liberation of China from the uh, clutches of the power elites, but you find in all these uh, element uh, the the narrowness of the of, of the movement itself. You know, for a particular race, for a particular ethnicity, for a particular culture, for a particular geographical unit. But here in this particular context, we context we see, uh, you know. Uh, that as you you know quoted uh, him in Arabic that where are the people what people he's talking about is he talking about uh, a particular tribe is he talking about a particular race no he's talking about people in general and he is uh, basically referring to 
the, the fundamental ideas that uh, human dignity is the divinely given right to every human being and the freedom is the essence of life and, uh, you know, justice is what one should strive for. Uh, regardless of uh, who the perpetrators are, regardless who the victims are. And that is a message uh, that, uh, you know, brings Islam back to its universal message. And that basically reminds people that Islam is more than what we Muslims have been, uh, you know, practicing for some time, have been saying for some time that, uh, you know, it, it's a divine call for the common good of humanity as a whole. Yeah, it reminds me of, uh, you know, the, the continuity where, you know, Allama Iqbal says, Sitke Khalil biha ishq, Sabre Hussain biha ishq, Mari ke wujud mein badro hunain biha ishq. That the veracity of Prophet Ibrahim's was love, so too is the patient perseverance of Imam Hussain was love. And just as the Prophet's selfless struggle at Badr and Hunain, you know, was love for Allah, truth and justice. So this truly and, embodies that, that entire essence of continuity from the very first sacrifices that were made by the prophets until uh, until Hussein. So this is and you brought you brought it out rightly that you know the uh, in the Quranic uh, reference to the history of all the prophets refer to that particular concept, yes. and not only the Quranic concept, but I think uh, uh, the biblical reference to the sacrifices of many prophets, as mentioned there work for that particular causes and all those things, even though Christianity has taken it to a different level by declaring Isa as the, the, you know, the one who ultimately sacrifices his, his own self for, for mitigating the sins of all others. But I think uh, uh, in general, the Quranic message and the message of the Abrahamic faith is very clear. In, in, in that particular context, uh, that humanity is worth living for and common good is worth uh, working for. So I think that gives us a, 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 a basic understanding of what and uh, why we are talking about this uh, sacrifice, because, uh, you know, it is the essence of our life. And uh, we all have been sacrificing in one way or the other. Uh, within our own limited circles. What this Muharram is reminding us that uh, enlarge your circles, include humanity as a whole. And when you will include humanity, you would find, you know, a different dimension and different paradigm in, 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 in uh, living your life, because then it would be a life that would uh, uh, give nourishment and that would give li uh, life to many uh, who have uh, been the victims of all uh, that basically have denied them their dignity. True, and all the messengers, uh, all the prophets were charged with this responsibility that you be witnesses unto mankind. And, and this is something that, you know, comes to the fore, that the word witness, the word shaheed, you know, have that connotation to be able to have that because to really bring this to a, a conclusion to say sacrifice is at the heart of every leadership. And Imam Hussein provided that level of leadership that, you know, uh, for example, you know, be it even here, you know, we, on Memorial Day, like, you know, we honor 
you know, those who sacrifice in the field of battle, whatever it is. Uh, you know, leaders who are true leaders are well aware of the need to sacrifice and the decisions the leaders face always, almost always include some measure of giving up. Sometimes, you know, they, they give up themselves. And Imam's reign was that ultimate. I mean, even if you're absolutely right, even if you look at our world today, we, when we look at our own uh, countries that are Muslim majority countries or our own organizations, we find that the people have focused on their narrow interests, their organizations, their parties, their perspective, rather than looking at the humanity at large, rather than looking at the common good of all people. Because without the good of all, none of us would be good. But how could I justify, uh, you know, good for me when my neighbor is not good? So I think this is uh, where uh, basically we need, and in that particular context to conclude with the, the discussion, because we are approaching the time, is to see how we in the United States and in this country and in this world at this particular moment, in this particular specific period of time, use those concepts of sacrifice to make the common good a motive for all of us and a living reality for the people at large, not only for ourselves, but for humanity at large. And I think well, that is the challenge that we, we all face. Well said, Dr. Aslam, because without making the sacrifices, the revival of humanity or Islam will always remain a matter of speeches and a matter of dreams. To actualize it, we do have to make those sacrifices. And this, this definitely would lead us into the, uh, the second segment of this discussion that we would have tomorrow, Reformation, because uh, Islam is there. It is in the uh, in the text. It is in the uh, you know the life and the sunnah of the prophet and you know and, and his uh, noble companions and all. And 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 what we basically have to see is that how uh, we live that message in our context, in our world today. Uh, and uh, so when we are talking about these things, we are not talking in terms of changing our religion. We're not change, uh, talking about changing our text. We're not saying, you know, editing or uh, deleting or adding anything. You know, what we are simply saying is that we go back to the basics. And the basics is to find the common good for all. So I hope that uh, you would conclude it with your uh, word wisdom and then inshallah we'll give it back to brother Ali to conclude the session and inshallah we'll be again you have, tomorrow. You, have, you have really articulated the message well and for me to add anything to that wonderful conclusion that you made in terms of you know the greater good and that you know we need to stand for, for humanity uh, for me to add anything would really be like uh, trying to make uh, uh, Tayammum after wuzu has already been done. So, Dr. Ashton, you have, you know, well concluded this. Maybe the wuzu has become val invalid. So, <laughs> so we will we'll hand it back to uh, Brother Alim to uh, bring this to a, to a close. But truly, I think it's, it's humbling uh, and, and it's self-reflection that we think about this and that we 
cannot remain in our own cocoons and we need to ensure that this message resonates and this is our feeble effort to see that we're able to resonate this message across. I would request you to give a, a, a preamble or a glimpse of what we are going to discuss tomorrow in the Reformation, basically. Um, yeah, basically, um, the thought process is that, uh, as I say, that unless we have a plan, unless we have a strategy, to be able to put forth uh, or implement the concept of sacrifice into something that is practical, uh, then these will remain a matter of speeches and a matter of dreams, as I say. So tomorrow's session is going to be on the basis, and as you rightly said, we are not talking about changing anything. What we are talking about is the idea of reform uh, within uh, ourselves, within our own societies, within individuals, because when Imam Hussein leaves Medina, uh, his words were that, you know, I am leaving to reform the ummah of my grandfather, looking at what had happened to the ummah within 50 years after the passing of the Prophet. So, really, it's in that spirit that we continue to say, what is it that we can do uh, to point towards um, reform, the islah, because this is the word the terminology that he, he used in terms of the Islam. And there's also, you know, in our a debate that goes on between Islam and Ihya to say, is this a revival? Is this a reform? And so we'll, inshallah, discuss uh, those yes, concepts yes. And, and, and the strategy the way forward. And I think the important thing for our listeners and viewers is that uh, it is not a Sunni project. It is not a Shia project. It is a common project. Yeah, to understand sacrifice and to understand the reformation. And uh, Brother Alim, uh, the mic is yours. Thank you, uh, Dr. Aslam, and thank you, Dr. Walji, uh, for that illuminating discussion on, on sacrifice uh, and giving us also a preamble of uh, the reform discussion that you both will be engage, engaging in uh, tomorrow. <clears throat> I'd also like to thank all of the viewers uh, who joined us uh, today. And just to give you uh, a little bit more uh, information about what's coming next, uh, I will share with you uh, the, uh, the schedule that we have over here. So uh, uh, on the 11th, we will have uh, Dr. Ahmadullah Siddiqui. Uh, he will be talking about reformation and sacrifice in the context of Muslim Americans. Uh, and then we'll, uh, he is a professor emeritus of journalism and public relations at Western Illinois University. Uh, on the 13th, uh, we're going to have a small uh, change over here. Dr. Mehjabeen Dahla, uh, who is uh, at the Graduate Theological Union, uh, she will be speaking on the 13th, and uh, Professor Inamul Haq from uh, Elmhurst University will be speaking on uh, August 12th. And then we also have a slight change. Uh, Doctor, Instead of Dr. Liaqat Takim, we have with us uh, Dr. Uh, uh, we have with us Dr. Barkat Charania. He's a surgeon, lawyer, and author. Uh, and uh, chairman of the advisory board at Ibn Sina Foundation. So he'll be speaking uh, uh, on the 14th. Then we'll also have Hafiz Ikhlas uh, from the Muslim Education Center Mosque in, in, in Illinois. 
We have with us Dr. Hussain Kamala from Hartford Seminary talking about violence in America. Imam Musa Azam talking about Islamic values and our responsibilities. Uh, uh, from uh, He's also from Chicago. And then we'll conclude with Dr. Hassan Abbas uh, from the Near uh, East and South Asia Strategic Studies Center. Uh, he'll be talking about how Shias and Sunnis can be working together. So um, I, I think uh, uh, it's worth mentioning that uh, Professor Inam al-Haq will speak on the 12th, I think. Yes, I, I did mention that, so it's, it's switched. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So, inshallah, we're looking forward to uh, this session and your engagement with all of our guest speakers. And uh, we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us barakah in these sessions and give us the guidance uh, of uh, how we're supposed to understand our religion and how we're supposed to practice our religion. With that, I'll ask uh, Dr. Walji.